All right, folks, welcome back to the latest installment of our League podcast series. For this one, we are going to be talking about the uh, the civilization that we've been discussing a ton in story this month, Sharima, of course. Uh, we've seen all kinds of stuff coming out between a new champion release, uh, leading on to some updated bios, and then, of course, a uh, short story that just dropped. So my name is Adila Most Dirty, member of the NA Player Relations team, going all over Riot, trying to find you interesting devs, writers, artists, that kind of thing to talk to. And, of course, we've got the folks behind Sharima with us here today. So you may recognize uh, Aunt Reynolds, I believe Aunt Lene now, actually, uh, and Graham McNeil, who we've had before on this discussing Targon uh, a couple months ago. Check that one out if you want to hear more about him. Uh, also happy to welcome Rayla Haid, a writer uh, behind Shreema as well. Hi, I'm Rayla. Uh, I go by Gelbug on Summoner's Rift, um, and I love to play mid. One of my favorite champions is Ziggs. I like to throw all the bombs, um, and I'm excited to be here talking to you guys. Cool. Awesome. So, uh, Ant and Graham, uh, as I'd mentioned, we'd spoken previously uh, about kind of where story was going, and and uh, we, we I, I think at that time you guys obviously knew it was coming up, even if I and the players didn't. Uh, interested to kind of dive into that. Like, what did you guys learn since the last story beat? How did it apply to this? Why Sharima? All that kind of stuff. So, so what was the genesis? We roll out of Targon, and uh, and then we're headed towards Sharima. Why? Uh, well, Sharima was a. Uh... It was an event that happened quite a while back and mm -hmm. we'd set a lot of the, the pieces in motion but we hadn't paid a lot of it off so this seemed this was a good good time to go back into Shirima and actually start moving some of those pieces forward and pay off some of the story beats that we'd set up earlier on and it'd been a while since we'd seen a lot of love for Shirima so this on a lot of levels this seemed like a good chance to go back and what with uh, Talia coming out this seemed like a great opportunity for us to support that with extra Shuriman content and move some of that story forward with Bloodline. Interesting. So I know that, it, yeah, obviously you 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 put a uh, you put a point on something that I think some players uh, were definitely asking about, which is, wait, Shurima again? Does this mean the old Shurima stuff didn't apply? And and I guess the way I thought about it was that you know that that first Shurima uh, event was was maybe call it like you know some of the first of the of the kind of new wave of, of, of the approach we're taking to story and and we got a lot of things right but there's also still a ton we've learned in the meantime uh is is that why we felt it was important to revisit it rather than exploring you know a lot of the other unexplored stuff out there i mean there's a lot to explore everywhere um and this was just a oh it was just a good it was kind of opportunistic just because we had talia coming out um and we wanted to see what happened next like we've we talked so much about um, like we saw in that event, Azir returning and, and Shreema returning, um, arising, but we hadn't seen what that means for the world. So you go, that was a couple of years ago. So you go, even in Runeterra, we wanted to move that timeline along a little bit. So I think it was just a good, it was just a good time to do this, I think. Yeah, honestly, I think that's one of my favorite part about Bloodlines is I was just like, oh, wow, like like things have actually moved at this point. Zara's blown up a freaking city. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I know the, the, the lore nerd in me was excited to see that. Um, so in terms of putting this event together, uh, I think the interesting thing immediately is that this, I believe, is our first solely story event that we've had. Uh, Shadow and Fortune was really just a story. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. But the, every one that we've done has been a little bit different. So, sure. like, with Bilgewater had, like, a lot going on around it. So we had the game mode, you had different skins, you had all sorts of different things around that. Oh, and I guess story. that's what I was getting at. Shadow and Fortune was still kind of proximate to that, right? Well, kinda. Okay. It was it was sort of moving that story along as well. Yeah. So, like, there was no actual game mode or anything around that, but it was, like, taking that same story. Like, it was basically saying, like, what, now that Gangplank's not there in Bilgewater running it, what happens when um, the Harrowing rolls in? So it was, excuse me, that was really just a, 
like we wanted to see what happened next and it was just at a, a good time of the year when people wanted to see some spooky kind of stuff so <laughs> that's when we did the the um the shadow isles new bios but that was really just a like what we all wanted to see what happens yeah. next yeah, uh, yeah, and as, it was very similar with shereen yeah, as, as like, much as the players we want to see what happens next we, sure. we've got all these ideas and great uh f- forward plans for how to tell the kind of stories we'd like to see and these op- these events are a great opportunity for us to do that because we want to see it as much as you know the players do. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. I mean, you, I, I've I've seen this enough with champions where where we're not going to force an idea out just because we think like it, it needs to get done or the, or, the, or there's a need or we've said we're going to do it. Like like it's pretty core here that we want to make sure that we're passionate about the things we're working Absolutely. on, the next Definitely. beat in the story. Otherwise, it's not going to be as good. Um, and and so I definitely get that where you guys were looking at Shreeman and saying, man, there's there's definitely some more uh, stuff to do here. So how did it start to take shape? Was it like, oh, we'll do a short story? Was Talia kind of the, the genesis of it? Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll time it around that? Or were a bunch of new bios just coming, coming out? Well, we had lots of ideas around these different champions and their mm-hmm. stories going forward. So a lot of those, like, had the stories had kind of been beaten out several years ago during the Shreemer event. So, like, all not not just us, like, it, it was the whole narrative team. So you had lots of different people involved in working out what these characters' stories could be, like, their longer arcs. Gotcha. Um, but we had never paid any of those off. So it was... It was really Talia, I think, that sort of galvanized it. It mm-hmm. was we had this the Shreeman champ coming out, and it was like it made us just think. Well, we haven't re- we haven't seen Shreeman for a little while. What's changed since last time we saw it? Because um, that kind of plays into to her story as well. Um, so it was really kind of it was that was it really. It was just like well, we've got these stories that we wanted to to explore a little bit further, um, move this timeline along a little bit. Um, you got this champ coming out. It was really like hey, this is a great opportunity to go back and give some love to some of those Shreeman champions in terms of longer bios and stories that just hadn't hadn't seen that for a while. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, I, I imagine you folks are privy to a ton of essentially just kind of early dev and foundational building that, that no, nobody else knows about because it's kind of, it's nascent, it's 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 even foggy and fuzzy in some ways. Um, and specifically with Shreema, yeah, I imagine for that first one, there was essentially stuff left on the cutting room floor that you, not because, you know, it wasn't good or anything, but because it just kind of didn't make it in time or it wasn't appropriate for the setting. And and you're right now that it's cool. We get to get to do that payoff. So so let's dive into the the parts you each individually played in this so uh so Rayla as as the newcomer let's do you first what uh, what were you involved in so I wrote the bios for Sivir, Skarner, Amumu and Ramis got you and uh, you... but I also wrote the color text for Skarner and Ramis got you and just so the listeners know and again stuff's kind of constantly been changing here uh color text is essentially the first part of those of those champ no color text is actually the second part so the first oh. part of the bio is the backstory <laughs> where we hear gotcha. about how the champion came to be who they are, essentially their origin story. Shows and then the I color know. text is a little scene or a longer a longer scene that kind of shows the champion being who they are. Got you. And so we've done a lot of different versions of telling stories about our champions at this point. Uh, gosh, so many versions. Um, this seems like it's a pretty kind of standardized new approach. Obviously, we applied it in all of the uh, all of the new uh, cases with the Shreema event. Uh, I imagine that's intended to be something of a standard going forward. Yeah, I mean, we've we've come to a point where we really properly understand uh, a good way of how to best represent a champ sure. uh, on the website to the players and to get across the essential pillars of who they are. Mm-hmm. And like Israela says, the color text is designed to encapsulate a moment or the, the essence of that champion. Uh, and so each one of these stories captures a moment in time that best gets across who that champion is supposed to be. Sure. 
Plus, plus it lets you guys write them using their abilities in the story, of course. Exactly. Where it's appropriate. Pantheon jumping off a mountain, that type of thing. (laughs) And you can kind of get inside their head a little bit more than you do in the bio, which is kind of written from a third-person perspective. Gotcha. Um, Was that something we arrived at as... Like, I, I, how did we decide that, like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to do this half and this half. Like, was that just kind of a, a, like, we did it once and it worked out. Hey, let's keep doing it. Or or is that a master plan? I think part of it was just experience. Yeah, it's, sure. it's something that we'd done, we'd seen at other companies. Um, and okay. these are the ones that we like to read. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's essentially it. Yeah. I think in a, for not a hell, like, it's not a hell of a lot of writing. It's not like a novel length or it's not sure. like a, a really long story or something. But this is a really good way we felt of understanding who these characters are, how they became what they are, um, and also having that little bit of cool factor of just going, okay, this this character is really cool. I want okay. to play them now. Like yeah. that's that's the goal. Like the, these short pieces should give you a good understanding of who they are and what they're all about, but also show them being awesome and show why they're a champion. Cool. Um, and I think it's a lot of it is just, yeah, seeing seeing what works in the past, seeing what yeah. works elsewhere, seeing what gets us excited, um, and taking it from that really. So we segued a little bit uh, away from this. What what ant did you kind of specifically work on in the course of this? I know I know that you're both uh, you know kind of a, a senior visionary on this on this stuff, but that you also like to keep your hand in and specifically write stories. Did any of that go on in this? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's always just tricky with time. But, oh, for um, sure. We already had some of these stories already done. So we had um, from a couple of years ago. We had um, I'd done the Azir color text back then, but George Christick had done like a piece for Zareth. Um, Odin had done a piece for Siva that actually got um, had never given out to players, mm-hmm. um, and we had the Amumu one as well. Um, and Ryan Veneer had also done a really cool piece for Nasus. So we had a lot of these things. Some of them had been released to players already. Some of them hadn't. But it seemed like this was just a, a really good opportunity time to, to, to give them out as well. Yeah. What about yourself, Graham? Obviously, you wrote the Bloodline short story that just yeah. came out. Uh, what about uh, the the earlier beats? Uh, well, I did the the bios for Azir and uh, Zerath. Okay. So, so you're the, the one who lives. gave me the uh, the massive hate thrill that I, that I was getting through uh, through reading those ones. I, yes, I was sitting was. there like giggling. Just <laughs> then, you're a very disturbed individual. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I did uh, the, the the two big lads there, and that was a lot of fun to do to try and give them uh, a more involved and twined backstory that wasn't they didn't paint Zerath as a pantomime villain as such sure. that he had reasons for doing what he did even if they were reprehensible reasons mm-hmm. that you could you could see the path to his, the place where he's at now that you know in his head he, he could justify everything he was doing he was protecting azir by hellish means but <laughs> in his head it was for the greater good for potentially the greater good of shirima for his greater good you know sure i was i was reading the uh the Azir story. I, I I chose a very deliberate order to read these, and I was like, okay, I need to I need to read these ones first and everything. I, I actually waited a little bit until some of the more of the bios had come out, and so it let me do that. But still, I was like, okay, I got to do Azir first, and then Zareth, of course, and then Nasus, then Renekton. <laughs> um, so with Azir, reading through it, I remember when there started being the issues with the the older emperor uh, having the children. I was like, oh, Zareth, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that was intended. That, yeah, very much so. So the... we'll dive back into some of that. I am 
curious about a procedural thing, though. So obviously, I, I, I think it's clear that that Anne, in your case, working on the two brothers, uh, and then in your case, Graham working mm -hmm. on 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 the you know the two kind of like prime figures, uh, that that was deliberate uh, in terms of making sure that that they had a, a consistency to them. Uh, but how else beyond that do you essentially get uh, assigned or 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 put your or assign yourself to these individual uh, characters? Is it kind of a case of multiple people take a stab and and then we go with what we're excited about, or is it like, all right, Rayla, you're going to do Ramus. How's it work? We usually like to choose champions that we already feel some kind of connection to. So sure. we'll usually have a list of the champions that we want to tackle, and then people will volunteer for different ones. Yeah. So Who did you have me, to I kill like to monsters. get Ramus? I mean, I, I, I don't believe that you didn't have to kill somebody. I to like get the non human champions, as you can tell by my list. There's, there's an empty chair next to her now. Yeah. All I'll say. <laughs> Looking for open headcount. It's yeah. true. See, it's kill bug, not gel bug. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Don't be, don't be put off with a small ego. stature yeah. and the innocent look. Um, so, you know, I, I'm almost tempted to kind of start in, in, in diving into a little bit more of the background and see what we were going for uh, with all these cool new stories with some of the bigger figures. But I almost kind of want to start with some of the, the, the non the non-human and, and kind of smaller figures, just to make sure we give them. You know, give them their time in in the sun, so to speak. Oh, that was a terrible pun. That was not intended. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so let's do that. You know, when we're looking at at Skarner, Ramis, and Amu in particular, they're not main characters, uh, so to speak, in the or at least not yet in this in this uh, you know kind of like main storyline that we're seeing in Shrima. Um, but we felt that it was important to include them in this and and build them up at the same time. Like, what's just kind of the overall team thinking on that? What are we going for? Well, we wanted to. We didn't want to leave anybody out. Like we were, we wanted to do Shreema sure. as a whole. Okay. So we wanted to try and tackle them all. Um, there was, and there's quite a lot of bios there. There's probably more than we tackled in one chunk previously. Yeah. Um, but it still felt like a manageable amount. Mm -hmm. Like, um, some of the other like um nations and stuff have really much bigger rosters. Oh, yeah. To try and tackle them in one go is, would might be a bit tricky. But I, I weep for the Demacia lore event. That's yeah, it's like some of those ones we might That's have to... That's not a spoiler, I'm just saying yeah. theoretically. Folks. We might have to split some of those ones up yes. in to, to, so we don't do them all in one big chunk necessarily. Sure. Um, but for this one, it felt like there was just the right sort of amount that we could we could tackle them all. And it wouldn't have felt right if we were doing Shreema and we left out someone like Ramas. Mm -hmm. so. Or Amumu, like he's so key to the, sure. the desert. Yeah. I, I know some players have asked about Cassiopeia, and, and I imagine that's just because she's actually Noxian, even though she yeah. plays a big role in the yeah, story? Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Otherwise, we start to get into a place where it's like, well, Ezreal's been to Shirima too. Should yeah. we do him? <laughs> and like, it still opens up the can of worms. So we go, sure. we wanted to just tackle ones which are much which more are from, associated yeah. With, yeah. with Shirima. So and the same with Rek'Sai. We didn't we didn't do Rek'Sai in this amount, even though she's like in, in Shirima, mm -hmm. we, we figured like, she kind of fits more into the group of like void kind of characters. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, she doesn't speak so much to Sharima, yeah. whereas the other champions all do. Sure, it'd probably be a, a lot more what we'd seen before, which is her eating people. Uh, <laughs> and 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 I guess we, I see what you're saying. It didn't it didn't like more fully flesh out Sharima. It wouldn't have more fully fleshed out Sharima yeah. itself in the same way that like I still got a feeling of that with Ramus, for example. Yeah, even exactly. Though he's not directly I think involved all of right those now. all of those smaller characters they all still give you a better picture of what yeah. Shreemer is like mm -hmm. they're still all different, different yeah. facets yeah. gotcha with Skarner, it's an interesting one because obviously there's just there have been things that were slowly nudging over time, and and he's definitely ensconced uh, as a as a Shreeman champion. But he has older roots in in his earliest imaginings in League Story, uh, in in a whole nother place, a whole nother you know paradigm and everything. What was it like translating him, you know, finally like fully, I guess I would say, to to this this setting? 
it was a lot of fun for me. Scarter was probably my favorite one to write. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Mainly because he's so alien. Like oh, yeah. he's so different from the human experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, he talks in a very different way than we do. He doesn't talk. He, he communicates telepathically with sure. his fellow Brackern. Um, but I enjoyed I enjoyed that one um, because I kind of found his voice in in what he calls like a dream song. So mm. it's not like a language. It's kind of like a, a bunch of thoughts and images put together and, and emotions. And that's how he conveys his thoughts. So for me, it was fun kind of translating that into words that humans can read. On a page. I had a I had a great time reading it. Uh, I actually have been known to play a good amount of Skarner, and and then even when on on chat with my friends, I love getting like in character and just being really emo Scorpion the whole time, just <laughs> time, you know, like while while murdering people left and right. Yeah, it's a very sad story. <laughs> it, it was really cool in that way though, because there it was such a contrast. Like you know, if you have in your head Skarner fighting like he was in in his story. Uh, it's frenetic, and and there's a lot of scorpioning going on, and people getting stabbed and and cut in half and stuff yeah. like yeah. that. I imagine it's really all miscommunication. Yeah, but in his head, he's just he's still that he's, like yeah. man. defending his people, <laughs> right? Yeah. Why are you guys so mean to us? You know, exactly. And, really and cool in the contrast. story, you sh- yeah we show him trying to communicate with them initially, and then having no reaction from them. So there's this sort of tragedy in that too, and that he's trying to reach out to these people that just can't hear him. Sure. What about a Moomoo? I mean, he's he's a character who it's been asked for so long. What the hell is he? <laughs> Why is he here? All of those things. Uh, and and this is kind of that latest telling of it. I mean, and the, the the cool different thing that happened there is there's multiple versions essentially of what a Moomoo is. Uh, how did you guys arrive at that execution? Uh, well, we kind of see a Moomoo as a myth. Um, he's kind of this this creature that roams the desert and everyone in Sharima has their own idea of who he is and who he might be. Um, Maybe there's some people who have seen him or who tell stories about him, but he's been around so long that the stories have been diluted over time and over multiple tellings. And that's why we have these three different stories that show different versions of who he might have been. Gotcha. What was your favorite? What's your favorites of the three? My favorite one was the, the, the child tyrant. Sure, because you know I, I've I, I have two of them at home. So <laughs> I, 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 I have my own yeah. six-month-old now. I, yes, <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I, I could relate to that one. Them, them bundling him up and stuffing him in a tomb. No offense, guys. I love you. I love you. Do I listen to podcasts? <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah, and and one of the one of the things that uh, as well with something like a mumu is that to definitively answer a question like that robs the character of some of his mystery oh sure you know you've got this character who's completely enmeshed in bandages you don't know what lies behind that you know what the coverings of him what how he became cursed and to, to give that answer is like oh oh it's this then good yeah. you know and keeping that mystery keeps players talking about them keeps mm-hmm. them interesting keeps them delving into what those theories might be of who that character is and the, if people are talking about a character they're engaged in that character yeah, and I'm almost I guess I'm almost realizing something too that that I I liked with the Ramus one uh and and I'm I'm realizing in the same way is just that to an extent, you know, in this Shrima event and, and and lately in our story efforts we've been making an effort obviously to show the normal people of the world because this is a real world that isn't just, you know, a collection of champions running around all on their own uh in uninhabited areas uh and we obviously got a ton of that in Bloodlines. Mm-hmm. Uh but even even there like it it's not it wouldn't feel real in that way if if there was an omniscient 
awareness of every single detail of every single mm-hmm. champion. You're right that in some cases these are godlike figures or or myths. You know, Amumu I can see being the boogeyman of 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 to you know, some. Uh, mother's tales and warnings to their children and stuff like that. And preserving that mysticism means that that we've got a cooler thing in the end when you're playing him. Yeah, I mean, I think when you use, uh, you know, ordinary mortals, for want of a better term, that gives the stories a lot more scope to be dangerous to the people in the world. Because if it's just champions running around, then it becomes, you know, two superheroes fighting one another. But if there's ordinary people caught in the crossfire, then, you know, the world has, it's grounded in reality. You know, even in a fantasy world, sure. that, that helps to elevate what the champions are in comparison to them. So the the more we see of that, the more it feels like a, a living, breathing world where real things happen and extraordinary things happen too. Gotcha. I got to ask about Ramus uh, as well. It, that that just seems like it had to have been fun ideation. Or like, okay, how do we how do we take okay and turn it into a story? It's right? very <laughs> tempting to just write okay and have that be it. <laughs> I love that he said like, hmm. Was it instead yeah. of okay at that that final moment of speaking? Right. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You set you set me up and you knock me down. Exactly. <laughs> well, with Ramus is a lot of fun. Um, in the color text, I got to show Ramus through the lens of someone else, this little boy who yeah. idolizes this figure as as this god, um, and eventually it does pay off. Like Ramus does save the boy. Um, so it was a lot of fun to see see Ramus through someone else's eyes. But was Ramus just looking for something to eat? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> maybe. Was he tasting that little wooden figurine, you know? Or he he definitely like, tasted it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't as good as bugs. I just love the tall tales, too, you know? like And, and maybe, maybe they're not. Maybe they're actually things that happen, but they're like armadillo rolling into a castle, blowing it up, and then <laughs> rolling out. Mm-hmm. There Ramus is all things to all people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At okay. least three of Was them. he just looking for something to eat? <laughs> or was no, he just but, sleep rolling? But, but seriously. Sleep rolling. <laughs> or sleep rolling. Oh, man. New, uh, that's that's the real spoiler there. Uh, so getting on into th- this stuff is obviously fun. It's so cool to revisit these beloved characters. But, you know, in this case, there also is the cool element that we haven't really seen before of like we're revisiting a story we've been telling. And you're right. There has been real progress. Uh, and and. You know, we do have to lay some of the groundwork with with uh, you know the ascended brothers and 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 Zareth and Azir, um, uh, but but I really love that there's this tangible feeling of like man, the Shreeman thing really is moving forward. So so uh, what what was it like on that note? You know, you have let's let's start with uh, Nasus and, and Renekton. Like obviously, a lot of this stuff is is more familiar to us. These characters had been previously a bit fleshed out, um, but there again also is the 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 now to it. So so what was it like putting those guys together, Graham? Uh, well, it was a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, seem, that's going to sound like a standard answer, but sure. it, it, it it totally is. I mean, when we craft uh, the what we want to do with these characters, it's all about what excites us as as you know for them as characters. So when we, we get together and we sit and talk about what is it about Nasus and Renekt and individually and together that we find interesting that excites us, and where do we see these guys going in the future, and what would be the most dramatic and interesting ways to carry their story forward, and that pays back into what we want to write about them now so that we can seed in the ideas and the concepts and things that we will need for later on when we, we do these things. And a lot of the, the ideas behind that were ones that were really exciting to us. And hopefully that means they'll be exciting to players. So, I mean, when Ant wrote them, there was a lot of that that we wanted to pay into the story. Yeah. And it was also a good opportunity to delve into their backstory a little bit, which hadn't really been fleshed out too much. Yeah, We kind of knew what happened to them 
like at the end, mm-hmm. um, but we didn't really know what they were like as like as kids or as young people, or what they were as as humans before they became ascended. So the the bios were a good idea, like good way of exploring that a little bit, and that was a lot of fun to 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 work up. I really after after doing that sort of early work, it actually kind of made me want to do some more writing about stories of them back then. Oh, like I was just from- about to say that was the fun thing is is that. It's so easy, I imagine, for for some to be like, oh, long ago, and blah, 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 and then and then you and then you just dive into the stuff that you feel matters, the current stuff. But like, we heard about all four of these mainline characters as children, and and like heard about their lives growing up and everything, and we heard a lot about ancient Shirima. It sounds like there was some kick-ass wars going on, <laughs> and it just and oh, like yeah. I, I I had the exact same feeling of like wanting to hear more mm. about that. And and one of the characters made a reference to, oh yeah, that time we kicked the crap out of Acathia, and I was just like, oh, tell the story. <laughs> well, I think that's part of what bios are for as yeah. well, is yeah. to like put in hooks. It's like. It's it's not to tell you everything about a story. If if that's the case, it kind of doesn't leave you any any room to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you if the bio has enough interesting sort of little hooks that are still in there, it gives you enough so it's satisfying. But there's little ideas in there and go, I wonder what that war was. Like yeah. they're, they're they're great hooks that we can come back to in the future to play with. You go, actually, let's go and tell that story about what happened. X. As much as it torments me, I, I definitely see the, uh, the the positive quality to it, which is that, as you have mentioned, it seems like they pull you back, too, at, at points when you oh, guys yeah. leave those types of notes in yeah. story. You're like, and oh. it also, I think, expanding the early history of some of those guys makes them more rounded characters as well. So oh, you go, sure. like Renekton, you go, well, people, he's a big bloodthirsty crocodile guy. Yeah. But you go, but knowing what he was previously and the love and stuff that he had for his brother and the sacrifice that he did for his brother, mm-hmm. uh, you go, it makes makes his kind of fall that much more um, tragic. Yeah, there's a lot more pathos to the character now when you see everything he gave up to be or to become the guy sure. he is. That's such an interesting uh, note, too, because I'm thinking now that, you know, obviously our champions first and foremost are, are gameplay like elements. If the, you know, like the number one thing is that. Players have to want to play this champion in the game. Otherwise, that that is not successful. Like, if there's a single metric, I imagine it's that. Um, now, obviously, many of them have so many other good qualities as well. Like, Teemo is a great example of just a guy who transcends everything, uh, you know, about <laughs> our game and crosses the whole culture. Um, but when we have characters like Renekton, uh, is it being a good example just because of the badness? Um, but, you know, I imagine this even with Azir and Zeratun extent. They're so powerful that... That very power and 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 kind of majesty about them can totally define them in terms of the character they are. It seems like backstory in that way, and particularly like old backstory of them being children, and in this case, long ago, is such a good way to actually add some depth to the character. Yeah, I mean that that was exactly the, the point of adding a lot of these things in because you know all these characters are they don't just spring into being as the Nasus and Renekton and Azir and Zareth that we know of from game. You know, everything that they've experienced in their life has shaped them to be those characters. Yeah. You know, like part, you know, we've, we've talked about how, you know, when uh, one of the characters, when somebody ascends to become an ascended being, what is it that gives the shape to what they become when they're ascended? You know, why did Nasus become the jackal-headed guy? Why did Renekton become the crocodile guy? And there's all sorts of things that play into that procedure, and you know it's an it's an imperfect procedure as well. So no, but seriously, why why do they get those? Because he had a crocodile in his pocket, and it like <laughs> <the> fly. <laughs> clearly, clearly, um, and Nasus just really liked dogs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, everything in their childhood, their mental makeup, and a whole bunch of mystical stuff from the ritual 
transforms them into something that best represents sure. kind of who they are yeah. at that I, moment in I time. I think that was a, a, a Renekton in particular was kind of a, a good indication of that for yeah. me. It's maybe a little less obvious with Jackal and, and, and Hawk and that kind of thing, uh, but but Crocodile's like, okay, I get the, I get the point yeah. here. <laughs> and, and just everything, all their backstory, which was interesting for all of us to dive into and all these characters, as Ant says, it, get, it makes them far more rounded, makes them more believable as a character that they would be who they are, behave how they are, and do the things that they do. One of the things I really enjoyed in reading your stories was how two characters shape each other, especially two brothers with Nasus and Renekton, and then two people who are as as close as Azir and Zerath, um, seeing how those relationships shape those characters, because that's something that you don't always get in a bio. So it was really great to have these two sets of pairs showing how they transform each other. Oh, the interplay is so great. I mean, it's even those are there's some of the best examples, but just in general there's so much interplay between all of these. It's it's such a good change because that's again one of those tough things is when you're trying to tell that that story of oh this awesome character that you want to play and everything it can be so about them. That's what I love about these story yeah. events is we get we get more interesting stuff. Uh like and and so as a I guess a segue like we obviously still got to talk about Eris and uh, Azir and Zareth. There's one really interesting thing to me that happened in uh, in the Bloodline story, which is that Zareth beat the shit out of Nasus. <laughs> and a little bit, yeah, and and that was really interesting to me because I was like, wow, like I wonder how I'd feel right now if Nasus is like my main and the character I love and everything, and in my story I'm seeing him getting humbled in this way. Uh, now I know it, it seemed to me like it was heading in a direction of like, oh, to some extent, like he's broken, he, he doesn't have his brother, and and he also needs to get his heart back in the fight, and he'll get there one day, and he'll come back, and he'll, he'll give Zareth what for. But that, was that a decision at all of like, okay, all right, we're really going to double down on this? Because I feel like we haven't quite ever seen that in League story before. Well, that was that was you know the the feelings you had reading that was exactly what I was going for. I wanted that good kind job, of, Graham. <laughs> uh, you know the, the you know the Man of Steel vibe at the end mm-hmm. with the two superheroes having a knockdown drag out fight in the city, um, but without the well without to an extent the horrible collateral damage of of that fight um, and playing up the fact that yeah Nasus he's not ready for this fight yet. Mm-hmm. You know he is still broken from his you know centuries wandering in the desert he doesn't have his brother beside him and even back in the day at the height of their powers they couldn't beat Zerath yeah. not entirely and <laughs> Zerath has become even more powerful so it's, it's a level of you know setting the stage for the future conflict to come setting up the fact that you know Nasus has a mission now he's he has purpose now and that's you know these are threads that we will you know tug on hopefully at some other, you know, later date. And you're establishing Zareth as a proper threat as well. Yeah, if, yeah. yeah. yeah he, he's <laughs> a badass. If straight up he was getting, if Nasus was going toe-to-toe, he wouldn't, he wouldn't seem, like, too threatening. It's like, well, this this one guy can take him out, and when the other guys get together and stuff, they'll take him down. But you go, he needs to be a big, powerful, yeah. scary guy. Yeah, the hero never gets to defeat the bad guy straight out the bat. You know, you've sure. got to earn it. And at that point, Nasus has not earned it, and we don't know yet whether he ever will. Yeah, and I mean, it's just, it's one of the many steps we are taking as we move towards a more fully fleshed out world. Like, there needs to be that kind of thing. It can't just be everyone in their own world of yeah. badassdom. You can't you can't tell stories <laughs> where just everyone is awesome and gets to do awesome <laughs> things because there's no, there's no texture to it. If everyone, it becomes boring if everybody's always yeah. kicking ass and winning all the time. You, you need to see the characters go through the ringer before you can properly enjoy their triumphs. Yeah, for sure. 
So talking of uh, you know ups and downs, so Azir and Zareth, that that whole duality was just that was awesome. <laughs> uh, now all of this was uh, I, I, again the the how fleshed out this whole this whole event was 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 particularly great. But these guys are, are kind of the beacons around which it goes, like that 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 love and hatred uh, thing that they've got going on. Uh, again, this was one of those stories that we had we had told before to an extent, but we further fleshed out this time, told more of the backstory uh, as well as some of the newer stuff there. Um, so you know what was what was guiding us in 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 going through that ant? Well. I mean, a lot of it was based off the earlier stuff that had been done. So mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of the sort of story beats of what was going on with these guys was worked out, like as I said, a couple of years ago, but some of that hadn't yet been told. Sure. So a lot of it was, we we're working back off that. So, um, and we'd also already done some of the story stuff for these guys, as well as just in the event itself. But we'd already got us a couple of the, sh- the stories written. So like I'd done the Azir one previously, um, George Christick, another another writer had done the, the Zareth story. Um, so we kind of knew, we had some of that already and we kind of knew where we wanted to take them, but there was still, there was still room to play and still room for, for new stuff to, to sort of emerge from that. Um, but yeah, and I mean, part of the challenge with these ones was to, their stories were very, like they overlapped so heavily, yeah. but how do you, part of the challenge was to have each one's bio be its own distinct yeah. thing. So by the reading of the two of them, you get a much better picture of the whole lot. You could read one and you, it's very, it's very, it's specific to that side of the story but you go you read them both together and then you read the other bios all together as well and you sort of start to get a much better picture of it all together yeah Yeah. because a lot of a lot of the older stuff certainly you know and the original stuff rather had a lot of these beats hinted at and it was you know these they, they were definite uh touchstones for us to extrapolate out how a comment that azir or zareth makes in their original color text from you know a couple of years back you know what led to that comment? What what did that that line there mean? What was Zareth referring to when he talks about this? And they were very very useful roadmaps for us to figure out kind of how you know we arrived at point X. You know what led us to there? What story beats could we work back into from the original stuff? I mean, the big thing that we haven't really gotten into is or. I, I, we're going to talk about bloodlines. I'm forgetting two very important characters, obviously. Uh, so we've got Sivir and Talia. Now we've got all these godlike beings, and then we've got these now two very powerful, but but distinctly mortal uh, women as well who are tied up in all of this. Uh, I I know, especially when reading bloodlines, it was kind of like a it was it was a it was a shift for me again to back it. Like you know, okay, wow, we've been dealing with phenomenal cosmic power a ton, uh, and and then getting back to people that actually bleed that kind of thing. Uh, what how did we go about tying those really kind of disparate, uh, you know, levels of, 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 of power together? Well, with a story like Bloodlines, where you are dealing with mm-hmm. monstrously powerful godlike beings, you know, again, for that texture, you need to come down a level now and again to partly to allow the, the reader time to breathe in terms of the, the, the action that's kicking off between Zerath and Nasus, uh, and also to introduce the readers in you know along with uh, Ariel's bio and color text to the the character of Talia and Sivir in you know in Sharima as itself and also again like we said to see the mortals in this world of immortal godlike beings gives a nice contrast for how these people are regarded mm-hmm. and it was a great way for us to to help support Talia for one thing and to see more of Sivir and establish her character in the Shuriman arc, because you know 
she's going to be a very important character going forward. You don't say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's also to bring the human perspective, isn't it? So it's like seeing seeing the events from like the human eye and seeing the, all the stuff that's kicking off and having like someone like Talia with her very human perspective of like she just wants to protect her family. Um, it kind of puts everything else into perspective a little bit. Yeah, sure. Human concerns, mortal concerns yeah. where, you know, Nasus and Nazir and Zerath are all concerned about you know, thousand-year-old grudges and power and power <laughs> and go, consuming guys. and conquering the yeah. world. They're not up to the times like everyone else is. Yeah. One exactly. one thing that that was it was again helped flush out my understanding and appreciation for the story as well is is it also kept calling back to mind like oh Azir you're you're a jerk too man it's it because it's re- it, it'd be really easy to be like Azir good guy Zareth bad guy and that and that whole thing and certainly on balance it's probably closer to that than the alternative but still Azir has got some some flaws and and particularly from the perspective of the ordinary Absolutely. person you know maybe maybe not everything is cracked I mean, up to he be. ruled over an empire of slaves yeah you know yes he was secretly trying to end it yeah. but he was he grew to adulthood for years and and it continued under him and at the same time you know you have to remember that Nasus and Renekton served an emperor in an empire of slaves so you know that was the that was the time in the empire they lived in but yeah you know, you know we don't yet know quite how they perceived that did they as godlike beings did they not even does it not even concern that, them? and that's what it seemed like is again that's the the complexity of it it's like man again yeah, you guys just didn't even care and that's the thing it's hard to blame Zareth. it really is i i, I went into the story fully prepared all right this guy's okay all right sorry a lot of this <laughs> i'm not a sociopath i swear no um there are obviously a ton of terrible things there he's the great threat you know definitely the the the, the evil but again a lifetime of grinding slavery slavery the likes of which is is it was crazy to imagine at certain points, you know, it started going into like, literally, he can't even think about freedom because the Ascendant will peer into his mind and wipe him out. Like that, that was how he perceived all yeah, this. I mean, I li- life as a slave in Sharima, even under Azir's rule, trying to make it better, you're still a slave, you're still yeah. a thing, yeah. you know, and you're something to be discarded when you're no longer useful. And the things Zerath as a child and adult to an extent went through can't have helped but shape him into... A particular mindset you know when you're when you're regarded as property sure then you can't help but resent the, and, the people that are over you yeah and, and he had by far the best of it basically you know yeah, like you imagine like a, there seemed to be some representative hatred as well like on behalf of what was happening to the people he viewed as as his and and where he came from and his yeah. his family i mean bad guys that are just bad bad guys all the time are pretty dull and yeah. and good guys that are good guys all the time are pretty dull as well so sure. it's like it's nice to add a little bit more human element to them add a little bit of gray to both sort of sides to sure. yeah to, to the point exactly where the point where you can look at Zerath and still go man you did some really terrible things <laughs> yeah. but if you you know put yourself in his shoes you can get into that maybe hopefully slightly uncomfortable position where you can go yeah but I can kind of see why you did it and then you sort of go whoa yeah, and if you if you can give that level of moral ambiguity to a character at some level before they do finally tip over that line into complete utter evil, then you know you've you've achieved something. Yeah. So the one thing I, I and and I want to get back to uh, the to bloodlines here and just kind of the specific execution we chose there. Um, one thing that's 
I always try and remember, you know, working here, right, is that it, we're in the modern age, baby. You know, it's often an axiom here that people like videos, they like GIFs, they want to be in and out, they don't want to, people don't want to read and things like that. Now, that's, that's anathema to me. I've been a huge reader my whole life, love this stuff, love us diving into things like uh, uh, Shadow and Fortune, right? Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Shadow and Fortune and uh, and Bloodlines. Uh and and it does seem like those are essentially kind of like the 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 most in depth version of the stories that that were prepared to tell for the time being. Uh, you know, like like that's there's not a, a book on the horizon or anything like that. The immediate horizon. Um, what why though do we find the short story format to be an effective tool for us? Like bios, the easy answer is well, even with the addition of color text and 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 the pairing there, it's still basically similar to what we were doing back in the day. So it makes sense that we would. But but why short stories? Because they're, for my money, they're the the best bang for your buck for getting across uh, a depth of story mm-hmm. and characterization and world building. Because, you know, if, if you do it right, you can hit all of those bases in a story and you can, it's much easier to hook a reader into the empathy of the sure. characters and the stakes of the story in that length of time. Because the short story, the one like Bloodline was 8,000 words or so, which mm-hmm. is, you know, much longer than most things that we put out. But... I think it's a lot of that will come as like the more we do it, the more people kind of get used to it, that this is the kind of things that we're doing and that will gradually acclimatize them so that this is a, a great way of, you know, del- delivering lore to our players. Yeah. I mean, I, and that's the fun thing working at right. I know is we've got a lot of people working on a lot of different things. So it's not even a case of like, oh, why are you doing this? Not doing this. Well, there's somebody working on that other thing, too. It's yeah. just for the people that love this kind of thing as well. We can hopefully give them something they love. And I, I do love that what you you mentioned about just that increased depth. You're right. It was positively packed. I noticed uh, the first thing I noticed is I was like, man, there's a lot of like nouns and terms here that I don't get. And I want to know more about them. You know, when you were just describing daily life and like tools and things in the town Uh I guess I guess the intent there is just hooks. Like, well, yes, absolutely. You know, sure. it's a lot of the you know the, the devils in the details. You know, mm-hmm. like it, you, uh, you know, Stephen King is really good at this. He'll he'll drop in like you know brands of things, tiny details of a thing that I might not know what that is, but it suggests <laughs> a, a wider world. It suggests sure. that there is more to this world than just the snapshot that I'm seeing. That there is things will go on once nasus moves down the street there is life still happening here there's sure. things still going on yeah. that it feels like a again it's all about developing the stories into the the reader's head that this is a living breathing yeah. world that and events, a different world yeah too. it's not their world yeah. absolutely that things don't happen in isolation that, that actions have consequences story events happen and that will have repercussions further down the line yeah. and those little details just really ha- help add the feeling that this is got grit to it and a reality to it because the best fantasy and in, 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 to my way of thinking is the one that has a real solid foundation and a, a level of believability and reality because mm-hmm. if you can if you can believe that this world could function even with godlike beings running around and magic in the air <laughs> then you've, you've sold the audience on it and they're 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 engaged they're hooked yeah, that can be, I, and and that I imagine is going to be a continuing challenge because there, you know, at points I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, this guy just this giant dog man, god <laughs> god of an older age, just walked up to him. That's got to be awful. <laughs> it, it's got to be unusual. Yeah, yeah, sure. Inspiring. <laughs> Things, they probably yeah. have a little bit more of a tolerance for for weird stuff on Rune Terror. Yeah, than we in, do. A, in a world where magic does exist, yeah. even if it's utterly uncommon, and you don't, it's not, you know, a person can go their whole life and not see it. Sure. You know, they're probably more conditioned to the idea that seeing a giant dog-headed man might be, 
yeah, okay, I could I could believe that. <laughs> it's 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 like people are prepared, like myths there aren't just like one hundred percent myth, and we all know it's it's almost like myths in Rune Terra are we know there's substance, we just yeah. haven't seen it in a while. Exactly, you know, I know the dragons are real, I just haven't seen one yet. Yeah, exactly. So, what about the brutality? That was so interesting to me. Like, uh, obviously, League is uh, the setting is a violent game. The champions are killing each other all the time and everything, so we'd expect that. Uh, and then even within the stories. You know, again, there's there's killing going on and stuff like that. I'm talking like the bios and the and the and the, the, the flavor uh, uh, pieces. Uh, but but again, it's kind of centered around like, okay, we got to show this guy being awesome. Well, he's probably gonna kill some guys, you know, that kind of thing. With bloodlines, a- again, I was almost struck by the the casual brutality of of the setting. Uh, in terms of, well, there's just an attack going on, and there's just normal people just getting obliterated in their houses, and Zareth is driving hundreds of dudes forward and and with zero regard um and again it's not like this was some some you know rated r setting or anything like that but no. it just again it, it was a different step than, I, than uh, i'm yeah. used to seeing I mean, again as we've said earlier it was partly to to show just how bad zerath is that sure. he, he can <laughs> he will do these things just to get one all this to get one person and I, the the worst so to speak of the of the, the violence in that story was certainly was between two ascended beings yeah. them you know knocking the crap out of one another mm-hmm. you know the rest of it was hopefully presented as it was terrible you know sure. it was very bad all these things happening and that's what Z- you know Nara- Nasus is there to try and stop mm-hmm. you know this is a bad thing that's happening and I am trying to stop it uh, and again the, the level of its description was you know hopefully in keeping with the the setting that it wasn't pitched deliberately to be gratuitous oh, or over the not. top yeah, i think was... a lot more of it's sort of that implied exactly and you know we, yeah. we always try and err on the side of caution when it comes to things like that because a lot of you know different regions have different sensitivities to sure. how these things are portrayed so a lot of what you think you're seeing you're not seeing or it's implied that mm-hmm. it's happening or it's told in a, a vague enough way that you can fill in the blanks yourself uh you know it's like um like in, in reservoir dogs there's the bit where Mr. Blonde goes to town on the, the cop. Yeah. And the bit you think you see in that movie that everyone's, oh, the bit where he does this, you never actually see in the movie. <laughs> you always fill it in the blanks yourself. You think, oh, yeah, that that you never actually see that bit happen in the yeah, film. that's a good point. But everyone thinks they saw it, but they didn't. Sure. And a lot of the, the violence in the story is, is, is handled in hopefully much the same way. And even at the end, you know, like without spoiling, you know, the ending to those who haven't read it yet, you know, it's not all, you know, doom and gloom for the, the characters because, you know, Talia's there. Yeah, it, that seems very intentional. alleviate that. A note yeah. of hope. Very much um, so, very much so. And like you said, just to, to support it, you, you need your bad guys to do bad things to mm. understand the, the level of threat that they are and why they need to be stopped and why your heroes need to step up to, yeah. to the plate. Yeah, because to, to, to talk to your, your earlier point, I think, yeah, yeah, Nasus does not get the best of this encounter. But, nor does he totally disgrace himself. You know, sure, he holds yeah. his own, and he survives. He gives as good as he gets in a in a lot of ways. So yeah, so let's say you know, villains need to to vill, and the heroes need to hero. Good stuff. Well. Uh, yeah, you raised a good point. I hope I hope uh, I hope we didn't spoilerify things too much. I got to imagine most people who are, are listening to this have probably gone out and already done it. But it's it's definitely a good point. Uh, so 
we're always learning more through doing these and then there's there's going to be more story down the line and, and i imagine you guys i know i know you guys are already you know working on 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 what's to come next now we can't obviously talk spoilers or what exactly is coming up next or anything but i am curious just what was learned in this case what are we looking to apply in the future what do we want to do more of that that we couldn't quite do like how are we going to get better essentially what uh so so what's next Rayla, let's hear from you. It's been a while. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what I learned from this is um, it's good to have a variety of different voices. Sure. Um, and in addition to having kind of the, the core champions that you think of when you immediately think of a faction, um, like I, I like handling kind of the tertiary champions that maybe don't necessarily have an effect on the story now, but who knows when they'll come rolling in later. It's not a spoiler. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's it's right though. Like, there's obviously like badass immediately comes to mind, and like epic. Uh, I think particularly in a lot of the Shreema story, just because of the nature of the conflict we're dealing with. But League is still a champion, or League is still a game of 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 the Brahms and the Ramesses and and the Luxes and those those really fun loving characters, and and we want to honor that as well. Like this world is more complex than just epic all the time, you know. Uh, and those those characters are even you know awesome and, and epic in their own way. So like I, I definitely I know I appreciated that flavor to this. Like Ramus was some much needed levity after sitting there like, dang, these guys hate each other. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it wouldn't have felt right to have a grim, dark story about Ramus. Like he's kind of a character that people <laughs> like to laugh with. Yeah, gotcha. and and likewise, it might not have been right to lead the event opening with that story. Yeah, it came out like sure. in Good the point. right sort of time exactly. to, yeah. to balance things out. It doesn't really bit. have an effect on Bloodline. So is, is staggered rollout? <laughs> is staggered rollout something that happens just by the nature of the process, or is or is that what we can expect more of in the future? I think we're just experimenting, yeah. really. Okay. Like seeing, and we, we'd seeing like to works. hear what what players like. Yeah. like do you, I think do you think it worked in this case? I think so. Yeah, yeah it seemed to like it seemed to have people keep keep coming back and yeah. actually engaging with more of them. Uh, it seemed to be an easier way to consume sure. it that just than just one huge yeah. big dump. It's, it's easier to digest when you can keep coming back every now and again to get you know, bite-sized chunks as opposed to a gigantic lore dump. If we just drop a novel, we probably, you're right to your point of like spoilers, we could probably couldn't even do this podcast for, for a while after because we need to obviously need time, time to, to digest it, yeah. and everything. Um, and, and we are, we do want to keep it accessible. Again, you know, like just because people aren't like huge book readers doesn't mean we wouldn't want them to be able to to, to experience this backstory for, yeah. their story, or for their champs. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And I think sprinkling them as well gives us a chance to release them as we're writing them rather than um, if we wanted to release every single one in one big go, you mm-hmm. go, well, we wouldn't be releasing anything for yeah. quite some time because it's going to take yeah. a while to take a- to do that. Gotcha. So I think doing like doing them as we go. And it helps put the focus on different champions too. Yeah. Like I know when I log into League, like I want to hear about my particular favorite champions. Um, those are the ones I'd be most interested in. So it's a chance to put the spotlight on, on those favorites. Gotcha. And, and it allowed us to vary the tone every now and again, you know, when you've had a bunch of grim you know falling outs between champions sacrifice and so on it's nice to get and to drop in with some human characters with some <laughs> levity with ramus and so on yeah. some much more mythical you know like you know folktale type characters and it it keeps things varied because you know one note tones get boring very quickly 
Yeah. Well, and everybody's looking. It's it's easy enough to to write a book series and you're aiming at a particular audience, you know. But but this game has so many people all around the world. We do we do want to make sure that we're being inclusive on that. One thing I'm I'm curious on that note, like obviously we we seem to have the idea of like we'll hit a region and we'll hit the champions associated with that region. Um, there there are a, a good chunk of, of of particularly some older champions in league who who aren't associated uh, really strongly with particular regions is. What, what's the do we have any thinking around how how we want to attack those characters and, and giving them some of the same love yeah sure I mean I don't I don't think the way that we've done them recently isn't necessarily the way we have to always do them sure um, there's, there's I think there's lots of different ways that we could release new bios like we could if we just did a new story that happens to have a bunch of champions in it that would be a good time to do those bios so go I think there's all sorts of different ways and I think we'll play around with more of that in the future as well I, I it, on that note, it obviously seems effective, and or I guess like I I, I want to say like cost effective, not, not in those strict terms, but just like an effective use of 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 the of the words and our effort and our time to have champions kind of engaged in a similar storyline together for these purposes. Uh, it, it, is there more to that? Like, do we think that's the best expression of league story when you've got you know kind of six? or six or more like involved in an in, in embroiled conflict or there's yeah it gets to a point where you you don't want too many sure. champs together because oh, yeah. then it, you get that small world syndrome where it's like the, it feels like they're always bumping into one another and mm -hmm. the street kind of thing uh but yeah having a few of them together has an economy to it where you can tell a bunch of different stories about different champs located in the one narrative but yeah beyond a certain number it becomes a bit unwieldy sure. becomes a bit unlikely that they would all cross paths quite so frequently sure i think it was indicative in, in bloodlines that you know I, I was sitting there i was like when's renekton gonna show up and then mm. he didn't you know I, I imagine you know again like you said that's a deliberate yeah, choice that's, that's a story i think that would merit its own story yeah this is very much uh nasus and Zerath's story mm -hmm. and they you know they were the for want of a better term they were the a story in this one Siver and talia gave you know some some lightness of touch to the story and, and gave us a, a moment to come away from these godlike beings. Sure. And I think it's also building up some of those characters that people understand them enough before you can start to put them together in the big ensemble kind of pieces. Mm -hmm. Like if you think of like comics, you go, it, it's much harder, it'll be harder to understand straight into like the huge big ensemble pieces with multiple, multiple characters. Okay. And until you've already done those individual films or individual comics. So you get to know who that character is so that when you put them in the huge piece, it's not necessarily all about them, but you understand who they are and their part in it. Um, and when they do have their little moments, really cool. But it's like you only kind of get that because they've already set it up. So I think that's a lot of what we're doing at the moment through the bios is really sort of setting up our characters for future storytelling. Gotcha. Uh, any other learnings, musings, thoughts, thoughts going forward? Nothing. No is okay. Nothing. Nothing at all. Yeah, I, think, nothing. I think having that range, course, yes. like Rayla was saying, like having a good That's range is yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's something we're always conscious of, but it's also sometimes easy to forget in the middle of things. So, you go, we've got such a wide range of characters, and that's part of the strength of, of League. Mm -hmm. It's like that wide range of characters, also a wide range of tones. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think even showing similar characters in different tones would be really interesting as well. Sure. And I, I, I imagine that precise mix is going to vary a ton based on what factions and regions you're dealing with and the characters involved. Like, I can imagine a Freljord story, for instance, uh, or a story beat that is relatively similar in terms of, like, the complexities, the multiple lines of conflict, like the, the epic characters and all of that. But but some of the other settings might be more suited to, to you know, smaller, more quiet. You know, like, again, it's just, it's like you said, experimental. Yeah, it depends <laughs> yeah, and, on the story.
story, yeah, right? Exactly. It depends on like what kind of tone you're going for in, in that particular story that you're writing. And, and I think then, that's a big, that's a really important thing because it's like it's it should be story led. So it's like the the type of stories that people are excited about writing is are always going to be the best stories. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone's excited about what they're writing, it's going to come across. Um, so it's like some sometimes it's we don't want to get too sort of um, too stuck on the process of going, well, no, we have to hit this region next. It's like, well, actually, if sure. someone's got a really cool story that they want to explore, you go, that's a, that's a very valid reason to explore that area of the world or those those set of characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and not every story has to be, you know, blood and thunder, cosmic beings, world-shaking <laughs> events. They can, you know, a lot of these stories could and should be smaller, more intimate kind of dramas. Yeah, Bird in the Branch felt that way. Exactly. It's yeah. a nice change felt relaxing (laughs) want to hang out and have some tea with Yasuo (laughs) but still really important like (laughs) still a really great way of exploring the world and exploring exploring these characters and and the things that really matter to them yeah it's again it's that depth it's not just oh man I zap around yelling a lot and slicing dudes up I I'm contemplative that said I do really (laughs) want to see the Nasus Renekton showdown oh man I want to I I really badly just want uh, the the first time Azir and Zara see each other again. Just the, that <laughs> oh, little man. like the pithy the lines there it's gonna drop on him and and just like uh, uh, Graham I imagine will probably have duty on that again. Just the description of the hatred that that's really just that, what's gonna be, be going. Like, I love the depth. Just of WWE that trash talk yeah. <laughs> before they get into it. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's a good note for us to wrap up on. Uh, listeners out there, want to thank you for for tuning on in these. I I'm definitely gonna we're definitely gonna have you folks back. I lo- I'm loving doing these story check ins and 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 so uh, listeners, you can probably expect uh, something else like this around uh, you know the next obvious time when we're further fleshing out the universe. So until then. Uh, Check out other stuff in the League series. We just uh, kicked off with the gameplay team, the uh, the kind of like a re-envisioned patch rundown that we're doing in lower scope form through podcasts. Other than that, just give us feedback. Let us know what you liked, what you didn't. And uh, we will see you next time. Take care.